This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Otson Audible's podcast. Matt Prame, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show today, this Wednesday. And it's going to be a recruiting-focused show. Because, guys, um, it's definitely not the biggest recruiting weekend ever at Oregon. But it's probably the biggest concurrent back-to-back weekends we can recall. I, at least I can recall from the, the just the sheer number of talent that's going to be on campus the next two weeks at Oregon. Um Five stars galore, top 100 players galore, four stars, all taking official visits. Uh, The visitor list continues to grow. So I'm sure um, in a week's time, the names that we discuss on this podcast will be here, but more names will also be added to the list. It definitely feels, we'll run through some of the bigger names here in a second, but from your guys' perspective, this definitely has that Saturday Night Live vibe that big recruiting weekend vibe during the season that these two weeks, this, this feels significantly different for Oregon. There's no question. I think we talked about a little in the mailbag on Monday of, of the shift from all these official visits taking place in September, October, November to now it's mid June or late June, I guess for the 24th weekend. And you've got all the heavy hitters coming in. And I think that's obviously intentional from Oregon's perspective to have, as you said, kind of a, a couple big weekends back to back. And you'll run through the names in a moment. And I know you said it's these aren't the biggest recruiting weekends in program history. And I think you're right. But the number of five and four star players um, that are here is is pretty phenomenal. And especially when you consider that it's not just Southern California or Seattle, or of course the state of Oregon doesn't produce a ton of kids. There is one kid coming um, up from central Catholic Riley Williams will be here for the 24th, but these are players from Texas and Florida and uh, you know, back East where Jared is currently um, p- people from that neck of the woods and people from the Midwest um, are, are here. Like Miles McVeigh from Illinois will be here on the 24th. Like there's just a collection of, there's a, a guy who is from Finland originally. He doesn't live in Finland, but he'll be here. I mean, and, and he's actually, he's out in the, U- the Connecticut area. So also where Jared's close to, but I, I just think it's really impressive when you consider how this has taken place. And I do think just like if you followed recruiting closely or from a distance, I think either way, you kind of recognize this is a shift from even two years ago where you try to line up all these visits for um, a a game in October against Washington or against USC or UCLA, whatever the big rivalry quote unquote game was. So now it's it's June and you're getting all the guys here and you're trying to get a head start. And I I think it's it speaks also to, I think, um, playing kind of the long game. You get these guys here for the official visits. You hopefully can get them back on campus maybe later for unofficial visits in the fall if, if that's possible financially. I think overall, to me, it seems like there's a lot of kids who are deciding 
where they want to go to school, well, I guess where they're going to commit to school originally in the summer, in the last, I don't know, two years or so. Yeah. Um, I'm not 100% sure if NIL has something to do with that. Like almost as if the teams and the universities, the programs themselves have some type of salary cap that they go into the season with that the university or their boosters say. Um, that might be the case. It might not be the case. It could just become the new trend. Um, but this is, you know, like both of you guys have mentioned, it's kind of wild to see this elite talent come in like the month of June. Like I don't through when, you know, when I went to school at Oregon, it was always like, uh, games you know, during the season where the big recruiting events where they'd have three or four or five kids come along, um, maybe a couple five stars if they're lucky, but you know, both weekends are chock full of high four stars some five stars, you know, each weekend that'll just run through the list in a couple in a, in a minute or so here. Um, but I'm just, you know, I'm, it's, it, I know you guys both have said it's not the most impressive recruiting weekend um, or uh, for either of these. Like I'm trying to think of which one would be better in terms of quality and talent. Cause I don't, I don't remember like a lot of weekends having, this high profile of guys all at once, all on campus at the same time, all within most of them, at least are in the 2023 class, the one that's coming up. Um, I think it's up there. I don't, I don't have the memory of, of Oregon football like you guys both do, but I think it's in the last couple of years, at least when I've been you know, at, at, at Oregon and with and covering the team, this feels like a top three weekend, I think, in, in Mario Cristobal and certainly the best one that that landing has had since. But it's definitely it's definitely going to be one of those top five. You know, I I think the twenty fourth uh, will definitely be a, a a top five weekend, and then June seventeenth this this weekend could could right be there could be there as well because they have two five stars on campus. Um, I think from from a, just an official visit perspective, Matt, though, this is probably yes. pretty close. Yes. Unofficials, they've had more guys for spring games and stuff yes. like that. For official visits, sure. this, yeah. is, this is pretty close. Yes, I, there I would agree. For official, for purely official visits, this is this might be the biggest two weekend stretch ever. Um, Oregon has had some just insanely stupid spring game visitor lists. Um, I think the Saturday Night Live, the first one was pretty. I can't recall the names exactly but that's goes really well with my argument here but um <laughs> also five years ago matt so you can yes. cut black but from an official visit standpoint this is massive and it's and and you're right it's probably the best ever uh back-to-back stretch for sure in the two weekends could con- compete against each other for the best ever um i think jared's on to something with decisions being made earlier and i wonder if this is factoring into that because we're we're you typically i remember like 10 years ago 12 years ago when i first started covering this for a job like the month of june nothing happened mm-hmm. like it was literally nothing it, it was a void of existence and july nothing really happened and decisions were made either shortly after National Signing Day, maybe in March and April when spring games were going on. And then May, June, July, and August, literally nothing happened. And then the, the commits started rolling in again back in September. And flash forward 10 years, 12 years, and we're 
we're seeing everything accelerated. And I wonder if, you know, maybe Oregon did want to get these guys on campus for official visits in the fall for their first visit, or maybe they wanted to, to, to do it for Saturday night live when, you know, right before the season starts and, and, and what have you, but they probably couldn't afford it. They probably have to bring these guys in because if they don't, they're going to go see somewhere else and potentially commit down the road. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, it feels like it's an accelerated timeline of things. And, and I, I also do kind of wonder what the reason behind that is. And yeah. maybe that's a question when we have our next recruiting analyst on the show to just kind of divulge some of that. Cause it, I'd love to hear Greg or, or Brandon or Steve or one of the many other people who we have in our network who are a little bit more dialed in on some of this stuff, kind of give an explanation to it because I'm sure they would agree with what we're saying where it, 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 the timeline has shifted a little bit. And, and, and for Oregon, I, I think that's probably not a bad thing. Um, I will also say it's hard to beat an Autzen stadium game game experience. Yes. And so I, I'm sure part of this is, and I, I know we talked about this before you, you usually you have these kids come on for at least one or two unofficials before taking their um, official visits and I think most of the players in this list that probably applies to not, maybe not all of them. Uh, I'll be curious to see how many of these guys are back for unofficial visits in the fall. Um, you know, top targets, I assume, you know, a lot of, some of these guys are probably going to decide before you get to, to fall, but for, for guys that linger and, and don't have a decision until maybe close to signing day, I, I'm curious to see how many of these guys they can um, wrangle back around for a October or November visit as well. All right, let's run through the list uh, here. We won't go through everybody, but just the the really heavy hitters. Um, we'll highlight the five stars. So this coming weekend, Oregon has close to 10 players on campus for official visits. That number could grow. Um, we know of five-star David Hicks, the number five player in the country, the number one defensive tackle or defensive lineman in the country, out of Texas, out of Katy, Texas. He will be here. Uh, the other five-star on campus this coming weekend is another player from the state of Texas, from DeSoto, uh, John Day Cook the second, Six-foot, 170-pound guy, speed, speedy guy. He's the sixth best receiver in the country and the 35th best player overall in the country. Uh, and then the following weekend, um, the visitor list is getting updated literally right before we came on here. We scratched off one five-star, Caden Proctor. We we do not believe he will be here. Uh, he is an offensive tackle, a top-ten player. But there will be a couple other guys here that are five-star players. Uh, Mateo Ungalele, he is a five-star defensive ed, edge-type player. Richard Young, a five-star running back, will be here. and then. Uh, Samuel Mpemba, a five-star athlete out of Florida, will also be here. So five total five-stars on campus in the next two weeks. Um, pretty significant opportunity for Oregon. Um, and we kind of discussed this off podcast. Uh, I think we even discussed it on the podcast briefly, guys, but – these next two weeks, I I think we're all in agreement here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the next two weeks and the success that, that comes from it, um, whether it's immediate or down the road, 
or lack thereof could define Oregon's and will probably define Oregon's 2023 recruiting class. Yeah. When you have what, what's the, I don't even know what the total is. We've got so many names here listed that Matt hasn't even read, but like the total number of four and five star recruits that are here over the next two weekends is probably over two, close to two dozen. It looks like probably if I were to tally it, maybe I should do that. Um, when he, maybe one of you guys can do that on the fly so we can 23 guys, 23. So yeah, right about two dozen. Um, the, the, when you have that many guys on campus over two weekends on officials and they're all of this type of caliber. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's going to determine a lot. And you, you would hope you'd pull a couple of kids by the end of summer from these lists, maybe more than a couple, maybe half a dozen. And if that, that takes place, you set yourself up really, really well for the stretch running into the season. Um, and, and I also think you look at this list and, and you go, we didn't mention his name, but four-star quarterback Avery Johnson is here. I don't know if Oregon takes him, if, if Dante Moore's still on the table. There's been a lot of Dante Moore talk. Steve Wilfong had a on his whip around uh, YouTube show said that he thinks Oregon maybe is in position as kind of the pull team right now, maybe the leaders. Um, if that's the case, I don't know if you take Avery or not. I think it's interesting, but like landing a quarterback is always a huge part of getting that momentum. You think about when Ty Thompson committed a couple cycles ago. Um, and I think shortly after it was a, a domino effect of a bunch of high end skill position, offensive guys, tight ends, receivers, running backs, you have it, um, or whatever, but it, it, it feels like if you get a couple of dominoes to fall, um, things could go really, really well for Oregon. And you mentioned the five stars. There's a bunch of four stars on here who are yeah really, really, really good players too, yeah. that like frankly i i get almost as excited i mean i think honestly any of the 23 guys here like you would be jumping for joy for basically any and all of them and that's kind of what speaks mm-hmm. to it and that's where that momentum shows up here of there's been rumblings that oregon is is, is is kind of faring really well on the trail you get these weekends you get the momentum out of it and maybe it turns into four five six commitments before you get through the end of august because a lot of these guys are also taking um you know official visits in july and june um, to other schools. But once those visits are completed, maybe Oregon ends up with, I don't know, close to 10 or 11 verbal commitments in this class instead of where they are right now. And that really is where you start to see the momentum build for the class as a whole. Yeah. And, and Eric, you make a great point where it's everybody pays attention to the five-star names and they rightfully should because they're, you know, they're five-star prospects. Those are guys who could make an immediate contribution. We've seen in the past with, with plenty of players, Oregon plenty of players across the country. Um, but the point, Eric, that you made is there's a lot of guys on this list that I think Oregon fans and I think the coaching staff would be really happy with if they committed. Um, like on the, the 24th weekend, you know, we didn't mention, but Jaden Wayne is going to be there. Riley Williams will be there. Miles McVay, an offensive tackle. Um, there's a lot of guys. Deshaun Womack, he's another guy who's a defensive lineman. Um, just like going through the lists and looking at all these prospects, um, a lot of kids out of Texas, a lot of kids mm-hmm. out of the South. I think we kind of, Eric, you talked about that too, and how they're coming over from all different you know, parts of the country. Um, again, I think this all speaks volume to, to how well Dan Lanning and this staff is as recruiters. Um, I think that was the rub on them going in after Oregon announced the hires and, and Lanning had figured out who, who was going to be his coordinators is that this was a heavy recruiting staff. Um, how they perform on the field, we'll find out after after this first season, obviously. But, you know, they're living up to that hype that surrounded them. I think they might even be 
over like you know excelling at it i think i mean back in uh january and february just on unofficial visits it was kind of crazy the guys that they were pulling in after being in eugene for like three weeks four weeks like probably not even moved into their houses here yet um and it still continues i mean the 24th weekend i know i talked about it earlier was the the star power is there and the domino effect could be there um I'm not sure how many guys Oregon could land from this weekend, but there's just been a lot of a lot of good um, good hearings on you know, the recruiting trail for Oregon overall. And Eric talked about Wilt Fong's whip around. He also said that for five star running back Richard Young, Oregon is um, a contender against Alabama. Um, I think that's a huge sign, even though. I think we all, us three, have discussed in the podcast whether or not they need another running back in the class of 23. But if, if that's the case, yeah, you, you, yeah, you don't him. turn down you don't turn down Richard Young. Um, again, that, that speaks to Carlos Lachlan. That speaks to Kenny Dillingham and the connections that he has from the South after coaching there from a few years. Um, I just think it's it's really impressive overall. And I know I'm not talking about any of the recruits, but. I just think as a staff, it's just so impressive what they're doing and the connections that they made at their previous stops that have come through and helped them with their recruiting this year. And as they you know spend more years on the West Coast in Eugene, um, there'll be more Southern California connections, I'm sure, down the line, more Arizona connections too. Um, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a nice setup if you're the Oregon Ducks, having all these connections all over the place and being able to to get recruits from the South, from Texas, and then also from Oregon and California come through on a, on a June weekend. It does feel a little like cart before the horse here when they're 27th in the country and they have six verbal commitments. But I kind of agree with Jared that like the staff is recruiting better than anticipated. Um, I know the results maybe aren't a hundred percent there yet, but in a month, in six weeks, we could be talking about a team that's in the top 10. And you know that's kind of, I think, the groundwork that's been laid the last six months. And now the Ducks are in a position um, to really kind of come out here and close the deal on some guys and really skyrocket up these rankings. And I think it also kind of proves like we – we certainly, when Willie Taggart was at Oregon and they were humming from a recruiting perspective during the summer and early part of the season. And and once the rumors of him going to Florida State kind of presented themselves, there was definitely that feeling within the fan base of like, oh, oh gosh, like we just got a guy that understood recruiting and, and things were going really well. And that now they're going to slip back down. And then Cristobal got elevated and he took it to an even higher level. And when he left, there was definitely a a little bit of a concern within the fan base of, well, like how, how's recruiting going to, to, to operate? How are we going to match what happened over the last four seasons with a new head coach? Like there, there were concerns. And as we've seen this, the staff has, shown the ability to connect with players, to get players on campus, where I I think Oregon is, as a program has proven that if you put forth the effort at Oregon, you're going to be in the mix for every good player there is that you want to be in the mix for. 
And to, and to the point about top 10 here, I bet if you were to take one five-star and four four-stars from this list and throw them in the cal- class calculator, and you could probably pick basically at random, Oregon's really close to top 10, if not in the top 10. Like if, if you were to if you were to just do that, and then that's where I'm. Ta- and I know I'm. We're projecting here. We're not reporting. We think this is going to happen. This, we're not reporting dominoes falling. But hypothetically, and I don't even think it's that far of a leap to think of 23 recruits. Oregon could pull four or five of them. The guy and the guys that are here and are going to be here. If you were to throw those guys in here, in the class calculator, Oregon would make a huge leap up the list. And, um. You know, I, I just think you have to be really encouraged by these visits. We talk about Matt and Jared, you both talked about kind of the concerns about if recruiting would dip with the turnovers and head coaches. It's and, it, and we haven't gotten there yet because Taggart had a class that was positioned to be top 10 before he left. And then Cristobal really, I mean, Cristobal, for all his faults and Oregon fans are going to point to a lot of them. What he did as a recruiter was really, really, really yeah. impressive every year. I mean, it's not a fault. Yeah. It was not a fault at all. And 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 we can get into in-game stuff we wanted to, but that's not for this podcast. But as a recruiter, he was incredible. And if Lanning is able to duplicate, I don't know if he's going to improve upon it in year one. But if he were to, let's say hypothetically, let's say they he does do that, that I think speaks a lot to not just Lanning, but also the staying power of the brand of Oregon, where you can go through three different coaching changes. All three coaches are elite individual head coach recruiters. I think Taggart's a very high-end recruiter when he's given a good, you know, in a good spot. Obviously, Cristobal has proven he was, and, and, and Dan Landing would as well. But I think it also just speaks to the brand. I know we're talking big picture here. We're not we're kind of off the visit conversation, but it speaks to the brand of Oregon where you can go through a couple coaching changes, bring in high-end recruiters, but also continue even without that continuity to be, you know, tops in the conference, you know, between seven and 12 every year in, in the recruiting rankings. And, and if Lanning takes it up a, a notch, you have to be really encouraged by the possibility of actually competing for, for really big things, even though um, it's been a minute since the Pac-12 has really had a legitimate college football playoff contender. Eric, you asked that ca- class calculator. Um, I eliminated the five-star and just added just four hypothetical additions here. And I think they're all realistic. Jaden Wayne, he is a four-star edge player out of Seattle. He's been on campus at Oregon like five times. Riley Williams is a four-star tight end out of Portland. His older brother just completed his career at Oregon. Um, In-state guy. Avery Johnson is a four-star quarterback from Kansas. He will be here this coming weekend. Uh, All these guys are going to be here this weekend, but Avery will – or next two weeks. But Avery Johnson and then Tyler Turner, a guy that's got Oregon in his top two with Oklahoma. Those four, you just add those four. No five-star needed. You have the sixth best class in, in the country. There you go. Right. So that's, Again, that's like, what we're talking about here, that yeah. this weekend and the next weekend could really lay the groundwork for Oregon to make a huge jump in recruiting. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're, we'll discuss some of the players that we like uh, that could have the biggest impact out of Oregon that are going to be visiting the next two weeks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back to the Ots and Audible's podcast, uh, continuing our discussion on this huge recruiting weekend and back-to-back weeks for the Oregon Duck football program. Um, we obviously just went through just the ramifications of what could happen the next couple of weeks uh, for Oregon and the potential it has, you know, realistically a top 10 class could be secured by the success of these next two weeks, but the players that are going to be here um, the next two weeks, there's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of players to get excited about. I think obviously if, if you're saying, well, what players can make the, the, the quickest impact, excuse me. I think you could look at uh, the obvious ones are the five stars, you know, John Tay cook, David Hicks will be here this weekend. Next weekend, uh, you've got three more guys. And and maybe that is the answer, but maybe there's other guys too that could fill in and help solve some of Oregon's holes or provide the depth that's needed to make that push to, to a championship. Um, Jared, let's, let's start with you. What guy or, or guys just stand out the most to you of, Hey, Oregon really needs to get this guy, or this guy can make the biggest impact. Uh, on on Duck territory, I just did an article going through Oregon's offensive line room and how they stacked up as recruits. Um, Oregon needs offensive linemen. Yes, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell mm-hmm. you what they have. They have some good, you know, underclassmen talent in there, like Jackson Powers Johnson. Obviously, with Josh Connerly coming in, Dave Iuli, um, those guys are four or five star in Connerly's case. Uh, they could lose a lot of players on the offensive line, including all five of their starters next year. Uh, I think at least three or four of them will be gone. Like they're just out of eligibility. There's four. I th- yeah, I think so. Um, so you look at guys like Logan Reichard or uh, Olas Alinen, who's a nice Loomis Chafee, Connecticut four-star offensive lineman. Um, you know, uh, Proctor isn't visiting. And, and according to, uh, 24-7 sports, he, Oregon is not in his top two, so you can strike him off the list. But, you know, so Miles McVay, somebody like that, um, those are the, the the few offensive linemen who are visiting. Um, you know, I, I, I've spoken to Miles McVay uh, a couple times, good kid. He's, you know, from the – I think he's from Illinois. A um, little bit of a distance thing, but this will be his second time on campus. He came for an official – or unofficial visit back in February, I want to say. Um, this is – this is a time for, for agent Clem to show off his recruiting chops. You want once again, you know, former PAC 12 recruiter, uh, recruiter of the year. Um, they, they're going to need offensive linemen. Uh, and obviously they can still, you know, hit that in the portal too, but um, you know, you'd rather take the, the potential of a high four star or maybe even a five star offensive lineman um, with four or five years eligibility than a, than a grad transfer offensive lineman who's just kind of a plug and fill guy. Um, other than that, um, Riley Williams, uh, tight end out of Oregon, uh, the state of Oregon, um, 
top 150 kid in the country, one of the top tight ends. Uh, I think he could be uh, really, really good. I think Oregon, if, he, or, if Oregon were to land him, that's a pretty darn good wide receiver room, combining him with Ferguson and Maliki Matavau. Uh Spencer Webb uh, has, what, two years eligibility left? Three years maybe? I don't know with, with, with the COVID stuff. It's still it's up in the air. I'll, I'll, we'll figure that one out eventually. But um, with how Kenny Dillingham showed in the spring game, how they use their tight ends now, I think this could be, uh, an opportunity for them to start heavily recruiting tight ends. Um, other than that, um, obviously all the five-star kids, I mean, I could say that those guys are all really good, but, uh, um, I like, uh, Colton Vasek. He's a four-star defensive end out of Texas. Um, I think he's a guy who's like six six two fifty or two thirty is his listed weight at 24 seven sports. Um, he's a guy who probably wouldn't be an impact guy his first year, maybe his second year, but he's somebody who has the body and, and the play style who I think could do really well in the Tosh Lupoy landing defense. Um, I, I, mean, I, I don't want to name everybody, but there's a lot of guys who would be ideal for this Oregon team. I think you have, though. I think you named everybody. Now I'm left going. <laughs> um, who, who now? Yeah. Uh, to the Riley Williams point, I think it's valuable not in, in for a couple reasons, but obviously really high-end player. And by the way, the state of Oregon in 23 and 24, I think has three combined four-star tight ends. So really, that's going to be, I think, a value position from the state that could produce several guys on the roster. But that's kind of the point I wanted to make was, you know, landing is, I think it's important to make inroads in state. And the state of Oregon, we, you know, no, you know, we, they produce two to four guys that are maybe worth giving a look a year, but you want to get those two to four guys because there is a value right. in having the in-state players. And you hear about it all the time of the Ryan walks and the Alex Forsyths, And um, there's a bunch of other guys in the roster as well, but those two stand out the last couple of years who've kind of been players who just, maybe it means, and I'm not saying it playing football, like doesn't mean as much to other players who aren't from the state, but who just kind of understand some of the dynamics of playing in your home state, that kind of pride. I, I think someone like Riley Williams, who is, again is a big time talent, probably the top tight end on Oregon's board. The fact that he's from the state of Oregon, I think that's a huge priority. And the fact that he's like 6'6, 230 pounds, a huge body. And you think about Oregon didn't address that position this last cycle. I think they need to address it this cycle. And I think Williams is somebody you would be really excited to land. Um, offensive line, like Jared said. Huge position. I think the other one that stands out, and it stands out in part because you look at this list, there are four edge rush guys listed here. Um, Vasek, Uangale, uh, Wayne, and we haven't mentioned his name yet, but uh, Blake Purchase. Those are four guys where I look at the, the roster right now in 2022, and I, I don't know what the future of that position really holds. Like I really like Braden Swinson and Mace Funa. But this could be Funa's last year if he wants it to be. This could be Swinson's last or second. I mean, both those guys could be off the roster by the time you get to 2024. And I think you need to retool that position. And guys like Unungalele and Wayne are some of the best in the country. And if you could have a class that had both of those guys in it, you talk about what Oregon wants to be defensively and kind of the similarities you want to show to, to Georgia. And you look at just this most recent draft for Georgia with – several players that kind of fit the physical mold of these two guys who are six, five, six, six long lean athletes who develop into explosive players that are in some cases, the number one overall draft pick or, or, or other players from Georgia that are top 10, top 15. I mean, Georgia had so many guys in that front seven that were drafted 
um, and especially his first round picks. Those are guys that could, you know, speaking of Ungalale and, and Wayne, are, are two guys who could really fit that sort of mold at, at, at Oregon if, if that's the development. I think Colton Vasek's a guy, I, I totally agree with Jared. Like the ups, that's a huge upside pickup. You know, I, I don't know if he's an immediate contributor, although he was, I think, the state of Texas's um, state championship defensive MVP. So it's not like he can't produce, but he's probably a little bit more raw or a little bit, maybe a little bit more of less of an elite athlete. So maybe it takes a little longer to kind of figure out his role. But I think the edge position is one you need to, to kind of get sorted out here. I, Oregon has a lot of edge players on its roster, but I'm not sold outside of Swinson and Funa, who again are third and fourth year players who could both be gone after 22, after 20. I think both will probably be gone after 23. I, I think you really need to hit that position group really hard. And I think those are names to know um, because this is a position that I think is going to be really valuable in what Oregon wants to do under Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoi defensively. Well, Eric stole my thunder. That was, that was who I was going with. The well, edge guys. Well, Matt, the thing is, is, is if you, we've got 23 names and if Jared and I are going to go, you're not going to have anybody left. So. <laughs> yeah. Like six. You can put that something. Is true. That, that is true. I, I just, I don't need to go harp on too much of what you just said. Cause you said basically everything I was going to say. Um, you don't have – I don't even think you know who your premier edge rusher is this season. And maybe that guy emerges. Um, yeah. But like you mentioned, maybe it's Swenson, but maybe Swenson's gone after this year. Um, I, so I don't know. I, so I, I think you've got to – I think you got to land two of these guys that are, that are going to be on campus for official visits in the next two weeks. Ungale, Wayne, Purchase. Uh, and then also um, Vasek. I, I just think you, you got to land two of these guys to give yourself a chance at developing that guy in the next couple of seasons. I also think linebacker um, Blake Nicholson and, and Leona Lefou, um, both four-star linebackers. I think that's important because I think we'd all be shocked if Sewell came back for a senior year in 2023. Um I think we would be surprised if Justin Flo is on the roster beyond the 2023 season. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not here next year. Um, and then Jeffrey Bossa is going to be gone potentially after the 2023 season as well. And so you, you got to stockpile that, that position group and you've got some of some pretty talented guys there. So I would, I would throw those two names into the mix here. Um, and then, they don't need him, but Richard Young, like yeah. it's not a running back, yeah. like it's not a need, but God, if you could get him and, you know, according to Steve Wiltfong, Oregon's kind of second there. And for the longest time, no matter if it was Mike Bellotti, Chip Kelly, Mark Helfrich, Willie Taggart, Mario Cristobal, and now Dan Lanning, the longest time has been, if you can get a player on campus out of Oregon, your chances of landing him skyrocket exponentially. And I, Richard Young's been here before already. He was here for the spring game. Um, so now you're, you're kind of doubling down here. And oh, yeah. I think the more opportunities you have to have guys that are that far away to be on campus, your chances in, improve. And if you could add him to your running back room, I know he's not a need, but that just – it would it would accelerate the, the 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 development of that room at a high clip in my eyes. 
Yeah. Oregon is also Young's <laughs> final official yes. visit, too, which I, I forgot where it was, but there was some uh, some chart about the last visit and how much that affects the commitment rate. And it's a significant thing. I mean, he's got a heck of a, a list. I went to Oklahoma, then Bama, Notre Dame, Georgia, and then finishes with Oregon. Um, like Matt said, you know, this is not a guy that is a need. This would be, frankly, just be a pure luxury if Oregon were to land Richard Young because you have a solid running back room. I know there's no like a clear number one guy, or there's no clear talent that like you know it has to be the starter, whatever the case might be. But he would be he'd be a welcome addition into the program. I would have to imagine. I, I want to say one thing about the running back position, which I'm just going through the Oregon's all time running back commitments. You know. Oregon has landed about a little over a dozen five-star commitments. Four of them are at running back. It's the most, that's a position with the highest, I guess, volume of five-star signees in, in program history. They haven't landed a five-star for about, what, 10 years since Thomas Tyner in 2013. You know, Maurice Freeman the year after was borderline five-star. He was like right on the cusp as a very, very high-end four-star. It, it's, I, I'm not going to, I don't want to totally discount the running back recruiting Oregon has had, but you know, even their top 10, Sean Dollars is ninth on that list. That was in 2019. Like you go down here, like the last couple of cycles, it takes a minute before you find a guy that Oregon has signed at running back. And Young would be, I believe if you were to put him in here, I think he's fourth. He would be, yeah, he'd be fourth behind Jonathan Stewart, D'Anthony Thomas and Thomas Tyner for the highest rated running back Oregon that ever signed. I, I just think, it's a position which Oregon used to thrive at. I mean, yeah, really, yeah absolutely. I mean, that was that was their bread and butter was the elite running back talent. And CJ Verdell and Travis Dye were here forever. It feels like it's still weird that Travis is in the conference playing somewhere else. But they, they haven't had this elite kind of guy. And also, no. you, you think about, you know, and I used this comment a couple of weeks ago or maybe more recently on, on the message board about, how Dante Dowdell felt like an SEC style running back. Well, Richard Young is like, he looks like Alabama yeah. running back, which is why yeah. Alabama's <laughs> in a really good spot. Like he just fits that mold. He's big. He runs like 10, eight in the hundred physical uh, gets, you know, one cut and gets up field kind of guy. Oregon could really use a player like that. And, and I, I know what we talked about when Dowdell committed, Dowdell is that sort of player. I don't want to diminish what Dante Dowdell is, but Richard Young is that kind of a player, but significantly better, right? One's a, one's a, a low end four star. The other is a the third best running back in the country, I think. So a player like that would really um, expedite potentially what Kenny Dillingham could do offensively. I don't know if he comes in and starts because Oregon has a ton of running back talent. And I really like a lot of the guys on campus already that are going to be here for this year, but he would step in and be the highest rated recruit by a mile compared to these guys. And I know recruiter rankings don't define who plays all the, the most, but running back is one of the positions where you could translate pretty quickly. So this is a guy who could yep. come in hypothetically if it, and again, fighting Alabama for a running back recruit is oftentimes really, 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 really challenging, especially someone who's from Florida and near Oregon. But if this were to play out, like I look at him as being someone who could be very impactful very early and if not the starter in 23 at least pushing to be in that top two rotation as somebody who hey maybe maybe 23 is byron cardwell's last year maybe he has a great season he goes pro but the whole year you're kind of going like 
is Richard Young like on par with this junior who has been really productive so far? Like I could see that being a conversation that happens in our in our hypothetical fantasy dreamland where Richard Young is an Oregon's 2023. I agree. I mean, mid nineties all the way until Royce Freeman's career ended. Um, there was basically the expectation and it wasn't just at Oregon, but nationally that Oregon had a top two running back in the conference every year thereabouts. And I don't think you can say that after he left um, Freeman. I love Verdell and I certainly am a huge fan of die, but Neither one of those guys, I felt like, whether it was injuries, which is kind of out of a player's control, or lack of talent, could definitively say that they're a top two back in the conference. They were never and, voted that. Way. They were never voted that way either. So yeah, yeah. And and so you're right, Eric. Like going out and getting a guy like Young could get you back on that track where it's kind of expected at Oregon, like. You're supposed to be one of the best rushing teams in the in in the country. And I mean, what was it like nine years in a row or something like that? Oregon led the conference in rushing yards, and they haven't done it for a while. And so I, that's why I listed him. Like you don't need him, but boy, you sure would want to have him commit on your team. I mean, that would be it would cause some adjustments to be made from a roster makeup perspective, but it's one that you would welcome in my eyes. Yeah, No question. No question. All right. That's going to do it for us here on the odds and audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back on Friday with another edition. Uh, until then you've been listening to the odds and audibles podcast. Talk to you later folks. Peace. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG.